I was just about to fall asleep. The music on my phone ended for the night. I noticed the torches were not burning anymore. It was hot. I was sleeping in a summer tent in the middle of the woods, alone, and it was peaceful. Until the scream from a baby broke through the air. It was terrifying. Somebody kidnapped and had a baby down here in the woods beside my tent somewhere? What? Getting ready to kill it? Is this homicide? Of course, I knew that I was going to have to get up and leave the tent and go look for this homicidal maniac by myself. I didn't want to. I was scared. But I battled the most with the guilt that came from me being afraid of my own demise first and before this pitiful little helpless baby. God, was I that big of a piece of garbage that I would be so concerned with myself first that I would let somebody murder a child right by my tent one summer where I could hear it. My conscience won. I would never have been able to function for the rest of my life if I had let a child die in my woods one night while I listened to it. So I swallowed. I took a big breath. I felt like there was a rock in my stomach. I tensed up all over, and I spent probably five whole minutes looking in desperation for some kind of real weapon that I didn't have. And I crawled. I crawled outside with the only sharp thing that I had found, a little pocket knife. You're listening to Natural and Wild with Christine Grayson. I'm a storyteller and I love exploring life. And on this episode, I'm going to be talking about fear. The baby I thought I heard in the woods that night was actually the cry of a fox. The female apparently screams when she's in heat over and over, and it kind of sounds like a crying, screaming baby. Of course, in my mind at the time, I thought that a homicide was going down and that would make some poor victim make horrible, obscene, monstrous noises at the same time. So I genuinely thought that somebody had someone's child out in the woods getting ready to kill it. You know, fear is supposed to be a motivator. It should spring us into action of some kind if we are emotionally healthy. But I believe that the way we've historically engaged in the most horrifying and torturous competition with each other is probably made most of us incapable of responding to fear the right way. And so there I was. It took a really intense sense of shame to force me out of that tent. And I crawled out. I wouldn't even stand up. I was too scared. So I crawled on the ground. And it was a nice, fluffy, grassy ground. But it was a prickly, rooty ground full of poison ivy and briars in pajama shorts. It was summertime. Now, later on, after I got my dog and she had grown into this gigantic horse of a dog, I had one more chance to learn how to deal with fear the right way. Harley and I, my dog, we used to go hiking on these nature walks early, early, early morning, every morning. One morning, the sun was just breaking over the hill and we encountered a coyote. Harley took about two seconds to look at me, size me up, and figure out that I was scared and nervous. Then, of course, she got scared and nervous. 
But then she went into action. I saw my dog change. She did something I couldn't do. Now I've spent some serious one-on-one time with her, just her and I living in the wilderness together, and I can sense her just as much as she does me. And so I was able to detect that she had fear too. She was getting it from me. We were feeding off each other. There was a danger. But in that moment, I genuinely felt her decide. She made a decision to shift from fear to action. And it was so quick. And so I learned from it. I wasn't supposed to drop to the ground and crawl, skinning myself all to pieces, getting all bloody, not being able to really see anything around me, blinding myself, moving like molasses. It was bracing up my joints. I couldn't physically function. No, I was supposed to be like Harley. I was supposed to make better decisions in the heat of the moment. And so I watched her. She got really, really quiet and she stared until she could pinpoint exactly where this coyote was standing. And then she sprung. She literally jumped long and landed right on top of that coyote, barking and tearing up the scene. The coyote took off like a rocket and so did Harley. And, you know, I didn't see my dog again for about 30 minutes. She felt fear. She sized up the situation. She made a plan. I swear if anybody doesn't believe an animal is capable of a war plan, they're wrong. And she made her move super fast and with dominance, confidence. Defense has no room for hesitance. You have to go and you have to go hard. When we find ourselves in a situation where we're forced to put up a defense, the people who let their fear stall them are going to be the ones who are going to lose. We're constantly in a battle with someone or something that wants to take away something that we have. It's natural competition, and we're nature. Study the way you cope with fear. Do you react like an abused animal, either way too destructive or absolutely immobilized? Or can you learn to react in a more balanced way, like a healthy wolf dog. Wolves and dogs are not evil creatures. They spend most of their time bonding with each other. They're very loving. They bond with whoever they consider their pack. But they know how to cope with fear, and they use it for motivation. They do a job, and then they're out of there. That's what I want to learn how to do. I believe that using fear the wrong way can sabotage your whole life. In order for me to face some homicidal maniac trying to kill a baby, I shouldn't be bruising and tearing my body up before I even get there, blinding myself in the grass, moving so slow and with so much hesitation and doubt that it's given me all kinds of time to doubt even more, doubt myself, scare myself even more, time to think about how tiny and weak I am. No, I should be going into a situation like that with an entirely different attitude, fortitude, That's how you go into a war situation. I know I'm capable of coming up with quick plans on the spur of the moment in stressful situations because I've done it before. 
but I wasn't getting ready to walk up on a, a baby killer in those situations. But I have to believe that I could. I know it all sounds crazy. Little bitty me walking up on a homicidal baby killer, believing that I can save that baby. We usually want to avoid things like that. If we lived in an ideal world, we could. But this life isn't always ideal, is it? Things do happen. What if you are faced with a very, very scary situation like that? Are you going to be that person who lets somebody's child die? I guess it's up to each one of us individually. We all have different priorities, different situations. We grew up differently. There's no arrogance here. These are scary situations that I'm talking about. And they're debilitating. I just know that I can't be the person who runs. I could not just pretend to hear some baby dying somewhere close by and just lie there letting it happen. And you know, I knew this the next day that I went up to my mom's house and looked in the mirror and saw myself all scratched to pieces, bloody and covered in poison ivy, which sucked. I had decided that I was going to go in. And I would have lost my life that night in the woods because I did not have the right kind of attitude. I didn't use my fear right. I was not motivated by fear. I was motivated by guilt, feeling like a piece of trash. And that right there made me think of myself in a negative, weak, incapable way. And I made a decision based on that. Wishy-washy, slow moves, letting my body get all destroyed. It took me five minutes to find an adequate weapon, that pocket knife, which was a terrible idea in high sight. I just needed to pick up a rock, probably, and clock a killer over the head one good time, right? (laughs) So I set myself up to fail because of fear. My motivator was guilt, and I used fear the wrong way as an obstacle. Be like the dog. Be like the dog who looks at something for an entire minute, feels out the situation, and then just flips that switch and goes in with the confidence of a warrior. A dog that doesn't let up until it's done its job. They don't back down. They don't wonder if they're tough enough, and they don't change their minds once they've gone in. A dog is going to keep scrapping until that threat is gone. Fear needs to motivate us instead of debilitate. It needs to move you, not make you cower in a corner and wait until the destruction gets so big it's out of control. I believe fear is a good tool, and it's here for a reason, And there's nobody who doesn't feel fear unless they have some kind of serious psychotic break. But using fear in a balanced way takes practice. It takes experience. And it's one of the less easy emotional tools that we have to use. It's dangerous if we don't learn to use it. Just look at what's happened during this pandemic. It's feeding paranoia. It's making people do terrible things to each other, even separating families and friends. We don't have to become fearless. We just have to learn to use it the right way or we're going to lose each other.
Thank you for listening to my story and my kooky accent. Be good to each other, and please think about joining me again for another one of these next week.